Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, the forgiveness doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Happy Monday. Today is August 31st, 2015. I'm Michelle Pache, filling in for Jeannie, and I'm here today with Dr. Timothy Hayes, who's filling in for Michael. We warmly welcome you to the show, and thank you for choosing to be with us. Our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk with our host. We encourage you to call in with your comments or questions, allowing you to actively strengthen and deepen your practice. Now, let's welcome Tim in support of developing our inner process of Aramaic forgiveness. Thank you, Michelle. How are you today? Quite fine. Nice day out here. Well, welcome to the Mind Shifters radio show this last day of August. And usually at the beginning of the show, we like to do a quick summary about why this radio show was created and why it's maintained. And the primary purpose of this show is to discuss, teach, and support people in applying an ancient Aramaic formation of forgiveness. In the modern world, forgiveness means what the Greeks interpreted as pardoning. Everybody agrees you did something horribly wrong, You should be punished, but I will let you off the hook. I will pardon you. And that's a very nice thing to do if someone's done something wrong and you feel they've offended you in some way. It it can be a good way to stop chasing after vengeance and bitterness. However, the ancient Aramaic process of forgiveness was something much deeper and richer. It was based on the realization that within myself, I select and I hold on to and I activate the energies that create my upset. So if I'm angry, sad, scared, hurt, or frustrated, that's my doing, and no one can undo it but me. I have the infinite capacity to to stop that, choose what I focus my energy on. And as I choose to focus energy on loving thoughts, I get to experience the loving feelings that go with that. When angry, sad, scared, hurt, or frustrated energies get resonated in me or I choose to focus on the thoughts that generate those feelings within me, that's what causes my upset, my anger, my hurt, my confusion, my pain. And the ancient Aramaics knew this. 
And there was a, a process called shebag, which meant to cancel or dismantle, that was directed into me, into my mind, body's energy system, where the actual source of my pain is. And it allows me to remove from my energy system those things that never belong there and restore myself to my awareness of my true nature as the energy of love and creation. And in so doing, improve the quality of my life, improve my energy level, improve my creativity, improve my relationships, improve my intelligence. Because every time I activate or I have activated in me anger, fearful, sadness energies, it literally decreases my ability to see things clearly. It literally decreases my effective intelligence quotient. And if you talk to a trial attorney, they will tell you, whenever they're trying to cross-examine a witness for the opposing side, they do not want that witness to feel loving, to feel safe, to feel compassionate. They want that witness to feel angry or sad or scared. And the reason they want them to be angry, sad, or scared is because it's from that state of feeling that most of us make the mistakes we or do the things we later regret. So our work is to help educate people about the existence of this ancient Aramaic tool of forgiveness. And Dr. Michael Rice and Jeannie have built a, a wonderful website with the help of some fabulous supporters. And there are many, 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 many tools and options and interesting reads on that website. But what we recommend is when you first go to that website, www.whyagain.org, we recommend that you click on the bullseye, the red and white bullseye, or on the link that says start here at the upper left-hand corner of the page, and that will take you directly to a page where you can download Chapter 24 of Michael's book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, and you can download the latest version of the seven-step worksheet process, which contains the core of the tool of ancient Aramaic forgiveness. And you can download more than a dozen audio files of shows just like this, where people have called in with real-life problems and been stepped through the worksheet process or the forgiveness process or the cancellation process. And you can see with one demonstration after another how people begin the process agitated, upset, angry, sad, scared, hurt, or frustrated. And they end the process feeling completely differently. And this is a tool that's available for free download. These audio files are available for free download. The people who donate their time to this radio show, Michelle, Michael, Jeannie, and, and, and I, we're all doing this simply to put this tool out in the world more and more and more. Selfishly, or self-wise, as Michael would say, I do it because the more people that I know that use these tools, apply them in their life, 
the more loving the world is, the more easily differences are resolved between people, the stronger and healthier people's relationships become. And I like being around those people who are actively doing the work to take 100% responsibility for what they're thinking and feeling, and especially when they have the tools to apply directly to the material within them to remove it if it's less than love. And these tools aren't exclusive to Michael. However, in all the reading I've done since I started this spiritual journey back in the early 70s, this set of tools is the most focused, the most productive, the most efficient set of tools that I've run across whether it was in my personal spiritual travels or my training as a psychologist for a bachelor's degree in psychology or my training as a psychologist for a doctorate degree in psychology and all of the post-doctorate trainings I've been through since then, this is the single most focused, effective, productive, consistently productive tool I've run across. Now, the... The words behind it, the ideas behind it, are are universal. One of the places that I find very similar instruction is in Anthony DeMello's writings. One of my favorite books is his book, Awareness. And I'm going to read a little bit from one of these and see if it doesn't stir some brain cells for some people on the show about how it's similar to what we're doing with the worksheet process. He says, the important thing is not to know who I is or what I is. You'll never succeed. There are no words for it. The important thing is to drop the labels. As the Japanese Zen masters say, don't seek the truth, just drop your opinions. Drop your theories. Don't seek the truth. Truth isn't something you search for. If you stop being opinionated, you would know. Something similar happens here. If you drop your labels, you would know. What do I mean by labels? Every single label you can conceive of, except perhaps that of being human, a human being. I'm a human being. Okay, that's fair enough. It doesn't say very much. But when you say, I am successful, that's crazy. Success is not part of the I. Success is something that comes and goes. It could be here today and gone tomorrow. That's not I. When you said, I was a success, you were in error. You were plunged into darkness. You identified yourself with success. The same thing when you said, I am a failure, a lawyer, a businessman. You don't know what's going to happen to you if you identify yourself with these things. You're going to cling to them. You're going to be worried that they may fall apart. And that's where your suffering comes in. That is what I meant earlier when I said to you, if you're suffering, you're asleep. 
Do you want a sign that you're asleep? Here it is. You're suffering. Suffering is a sign that you're out of touch with the truth. Suffering is given to you that you might open your eyes to the truth, that you might understand that there's falsehood somewhere. Just as physical pain is given to you, so you will understand that there is disease or illness somewhere. Suffering points out that there is falsehood somewhere. Suffering occurs when you clash with reality. In Dr. Rice's words, he would say, when you clash with actuality. When your illusions clash with reality, when your falsehoods clash with truth, then you have suffering. Otherwise, there is no suffering. Just one brief passage from one of my favorite books from Anthony DeMello. And my ear picks up the idea that all my suffering is the alarm system trying to let me know my thoughts are off the mark. I'm holding energies inside of me that don't belong. They may have gotten placed in me through this lifetime. I might have inherited them through generations. But when they're active and I'm uncomfortable, that's my alarm system telling me as I'm awake and aware in this moment that I have the ability to apply a tool to a certain part of my mind-body energy system and remove what's there that doesn't belong. That's the core of our work. It's available on the website at whyagain.org, and we'd love to hear your comments and questions because that just helps it get out there all the more quickly and all the more deeply. So I'll take a breath and ask Michelle if we have anybody with a hand up. We do. Um, area code 970, you're on the air. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Uh, let me just... All right, you're you're live. Hi, Michelle and Dr. Tim. This is uh, Stuart in Colorado. And uh, um, thank you for taking my call. Um, nice introduction, Tim. Thank you. Um, my question today is... Uh, um dealing with how do you what's some of the different stages um that you go through as you start to get into closer and closer to the core a core genetic issue um for example what i'm what i'm processing at this point is um a, a really deep genetic issue of uh a need to be heard a need to be right um, something I took on um, I've, uh, from my from my family structure, um, and as I do a worksheet, and this morning I did a very powerful worksheet, is really owning uh, a part of that and getting really deep into a part of myself that feels very powerless and where that stems from, and doing forgiveness work around that. Um, and so I do a worksheet, uh, and then I am able to step out of the house, and usually after I do a worksheet, I always feel really quite lifted and really good. Um, but I know I'm getting to what I believe is a 7 times 70 issue, um, um, one that I'm going to have to work on several times. Uh, but as I leave the house and I get to the job site and I start working on the house and I'm going to work on, I'm out of breath. I'm back into very short breathing. I'm in kind of almost like a panic state 
again. Um, and of course, I'm on a job site. So I don't have a worksheet with me. And then the only thing I know to do in the moment is to just feel it and breathe, which is uh, quite helpful. Um, but I wonder, Tim, if you can uh, talk about as, as as we get closer to these really core issues that are gonna they're gonna maybe give us an opportunity to look at many times. Um, can you talk more about the stages of what we go through as that starts to come up? All right. Well, um, I, I would reframe it from talking about stages and simply, you know, the, what your question resonates for me is the brain cells of what Michael talked about when he's asking. He's been asked a lot of times, so what does this healing process look like? And the healing process is the reverse and sometimes very similar to what the illness process looked like. If if I put an unhealthy or a disintegrative energy into my system, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, it feels going in, it feels painful going in, it feels constricting going in, it feels like any intense emotion when it goes in. And when I'm doing my work, and that's doing worksheets, doing breath work, eating appropriate food, getting appropriate rest and exercise, looking at my issues and owning them completely. When I'm doing my work, then that's the first indication that when I have an upset, it's probably a sign of healing. But healing can look like exactly what the illness or the disease or the upset looked like. So physically, I can go through any level of physical ache or pain or disruption or disease process that I went through originally. Mentally, I can go through any negative thought I've ever had and confusion. And... Well, with that physical ache and pain and illness, it's any negative physical sensation I've had and low energy. With the the mental, it's any negative thought I've ever had and confusion. And with the emotional states, it's any negative emotion I've ever had and depression. So if I'm having some of those signs and symptoms, they sound, they feel a lot like having an illness, having a trauma. And the way to know that I'm in the healing process rather than in the trauma process is the first step is have I been doing more of the right things, eating appropriately, resting appropriately, getting appropriate exercise, and doing my work. The next uh, warning sign that will let me know that I'm in a healing mode rather than a disease mode is was I did I reach a new high of vitality recently, right before these signs or symptoms. In your case, you're talking about the low breath and difficulty breathing or shallow breathing. And what often happens is when I'm doing my work, I get rid of energies that don't belong, and my energy level goes up, and my vitality goes up. And when my energy level and vitality goes up, there's this unconscious higher self that knows, oh, good, Tim, now you've got the energy to deal with. 
these bigger traumas from your past that you haven't had the energy to deal with until now. So I did have that I did have that experience um just prior to going into this next stage. I I was lifted into a place of I mean probably some of the most uh incredible clarity I I've, I've ever felt in in a conscious state of, you know, in, in a conscious state. Um and and it was it was an alignment that I was tapping into and an awareness that it's it's very hard to describe. Um and then of course by the next day I'm I'm going into whatever this next part is. Um well, so, again, yes, I did. Uh, again, with this work, that just says you made it possible for this to happen because you did enough work to increase your vitality level. And now here's a deeper level of trauma or physical, you know, stuck physical energy for you to overcome. Mm-hmm. So let me just say that the last thing to look at for this process is that when it's an actual physical ailment, an ache or a pain, it will be, when it's in the healing mode, it will be more eliminative. So I will be perspiring profusely or the bowels and bladder will run more often or I'll be vomiting or I might have an outbreak on my skin, which is all of these are the channels for my body to eliminate poisons or toxins or unhealthy energies that have been there. Yes, and, I, and, I, and it's, uh, for me, it's in my solar plexus and, and, and you know, of course, in the bowels and all that. There's been a lot of, lot of release and stuff like that um, in the last couple of days. Uh, in fact, I'm, just, I'm, I'm really quite surprised. You know, I'm like going, oh, my God, again? <laughs> um, and then there is a, there is a, there's a feeling, and, it, and it, it's in the, the powerlessness comes, and it's in the solar plexus area, like I've been just punched in the stomach. Um, and, and, uh, and so as I breathe more into that, you know, I mean, it does, it makes me, I I do feel like I want to throw up. I, you know, there's like a vomiting wants to happen. I haven't needed to do that at this point, but, but, um, but I, and I know it's just energy. It's just thoughts. I mean, it's just a, it's an unconscious belief that I've, I've held onto that's, that's saying, okay, I want out. Um, well, I am experiencing those symptoms. Well, it, it, it triggers the memory for me of last year, three days earlier than today. So the 27th, 28th, 29th in the Internet show. And on the 27th, I was having a conversation with Michael, and he said something, and it triggered an upset in me. And by the time I did my worksheets on it the next morning, I was feeling difficulty breathing like I'd been hit in the solar plexus. And what came back was a time when I was 14 years old and had gotten beaten up by the bullies. And so I I went through rounds of breathing and tapping, extensive breathing, tapping, and worksheets to process through the physical trauma that was coming back up from this event that happened when I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. And it, is that going to happen for everybody? No, but that was a, a, a real good example in my life of I'd been doing my work, I'd been increasing my vitality, and I was willing to look at my my issues. I'd been doing worksheets, 
And when this issue got triggered with Michael, this was not a new memory. I had done lots of worksheets. I had done other energy work. I'd done other psychology work on the trauma of getting abused by these bullies when I was 14. This was just a deeper layer that had never been touched by all of the previous work. So I hope that helps. Okay. It's it's just a, a an issue of looking at anything I've ever felt physically, mentally, or emotionally in the past. It may be coming back. And my my pathway through it is with willingness, to be willing to keep doing more of the things that raised my vitality in the first place rather than giving in to the craving for my drug of choice. One of the things Michael says is because we store these energies in our bodies, as we unpack this stuff, sometimes literally the craving for the drug we used to deal with it or cope with it in the past gets stronger especially mm-hmm. at those times when we're processing out the traumatic energy. Yeah, well, alcohol was my issue in the past. Um, I don't I don't have any desire um, at this point. You know, I mean, there's no desire to go. I mean, I want this. I want this healing. I mean, there's there's nothing else. I have no other place to go, I mean, at this point in my life. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the day before I had that incredible place of vitality, I had done some work, I, I pretty much blocked out my childhood. And I know that that was basically, I think I just went unconscious uh, because of just, you know, the the dynamics that were going on. I just went unconscious. So I don't have much memory of my childhood. But I was able to, the day before I kind of had that real opening, I was able to go in uh, through a worksheet process and I started to remember the place when I was about three years old where I started to give up the truth of who I am. And I started to forgive that with a worksheet. And and uh, and then the next thing I knew, I was like, I mean, I moved into this place of vitality that was like, I mean, something aligned and, and it was it was bliss. It was ecstasy. It was, I mean, it was an amazing place. And of course, then the next day, I've kind of started this process. So it sounds like um, you kind of confirmed that um, I'm doing the right things. I'm on track, and just uh, keep doing the worksheets and uh, keep pressing forward and keep bringing love into it. I would agree. Very good. Well, thank you for your support and and uh, your gentleness and uh, your commitment to this work. Um, uh, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate the compliment. I'm glad it's useful. And feel free to keep us updated as you move forward. I certainly will. Thank you. All right, Michelle, any comments and or anybody with a hand up? Well, um, Rex has some comments. Don't you, Rex? Yes, mute helps, doesn't it? Excuse me. Hi, Tim. Hi, Michelle. Can you hear me now? Yeah, me yes, too. I can hear you. Awesome. Um, yes, I, it's, uh, I had a thought around, i got to go in another room because Missy's got her phone on speaker, and I'll see if I can isolate myself here for a moment. The gentleman, what was his name? Uh, 
Stuart. Stuart, wonderful, really exciting. Uh, if he's still listening, one thought I had as you were talking, Tim, in addition to what you offered, which was awesome, uh, it would be that the tendency to try to make something big or, you know, the idea of going into how do I know when I go into a deeper generational reality, I, I like the idea of, of just approaching it as another um, part of the process and staying conscious in it and doing the work like you suggested. But the tendency to try to make it like one of those great big ones might have an inclination to make it more uh-huh. difficult to let go of. And so that was my input on that one piece, just to acknowledge the beautiful work that he's doing. He's so articulate. I really appreciated listening to him. And I acknowledge that. Uh, and also that the value of looking for something, like looking for those really big pieces, I, I, I like to support myself with knowing that they'll show up when it's time and I'm ready. And just stay true to the work and stay true to the breath and stay true to being conscious. And I'll move through it. And, and like you said, Tim, the willingness and all the other things you offered, that big that, that piece of just being conscious that uh, we want to make things, we have a tendency to want to make, this is the big one, this is the great one, This I'm finally going to get there now. And I just find that to be a distraction. You know, just staying true to the work and and just looking at it. Oh, this is just another piece I'm opening up. That was the input that I had. And I really enjoyed your intro, Tim, as well. Thanks, Rex. Um, Stuart, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yep. Yes. Yes. I am here. I just wanted to, I, I thought I still heard you in the background, so if you wanted to comment to Rex or say if, if you thought you were doing that, looking for the next big piece, or if that wasn't part of what you were dealing with. Are you? Are, can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. Okay. Uh, yeah, Rex, thank you. Thank you for that piece. I, um, you know, uh, that does help. Um I probably, you know, was making a little bit more out of it than than I needed to, but it's it's mainly because I was feeling it. I'm like going, "Oh my god, this is like this is creating this this uh, uncontrollable, you know, shortness of breath and and I shouldn't say uncontrollable because I was able to control it through, you know, being conscious of it, just breathing as I'm kind of working on this house in the beautiful mountains of Colorado and and uh so Anyway, that does help um, to not make it a bigger issue than it really is. Um, but it does feel like it's a it's a very deep genetic core issue that has been running in my family um, for who God who knows how long. But it doesn't even matter, you know. It's like, um, you know, I'm here to do the work. I'm here to cleanse and do my part. Um, and uh, and so that does help. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, also with that, Stuart, consider um, when you're opening up to such a large piece, and I would, I would, having said all that, I would say, yeah, you, you sound like you're right on top of a very deep level piece that's going to affect all of creation. But the problem, <laughs> I think it becomes a problem when I start 
putting that into my carbon-based mind in the form of, hey, I'm going to change the entire creation. I'm going to change all of creation. Or, or this is a major piece, and now all the evidence is going to start showing up that how hard it might be to get through it or how difficult it might be to move through it. Whereas if I just approach it from, hey, obviously my divinity, this would be my language, not necessarily Michael's or Tim's or anybody else's, but my divinity has shown me something in, inside me. I'm opening up to the consciousness of love so much that I'm able to see a deeper peace. I'm just flat out excited. It might be why you're miserable feeling. And, and when you can take that, when I take that into my experience of, of healing, these deeper levels become easier to move through. The willingness is more easily accessed. And I find mm-hmm. that my experience changes, and it's just much easier. Thank you. That is very helpful. Very, very helpful. Awesome. Awesome. And you're doing great work, and I, I appreciate your articulation of it, too, because you... I, I was listening as I was listening. I go, God, it sounds like you're hitting your abandonment issue. <laughs> you know, right oh, down yeah. the core. <laughs> oh, and yeah. Then just, and then you just titled it right out. You just spoke it right out. And I said, I told Mitzi, I said, wow, I, I enjoy listening to Stuart. He's right on. Good job. Thank you. That's what I had to offer, team. Thanks, Rex. Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go back on mute. Blessings and love to everyone. Thanks, Rex. Same to you. Thanks, Jim. All right, Michelle, anybody else with a hand up or anything going on in the chat room today? Uh, Nobody with a hand up right now. Uh, In the chat room, there is a question on um, the worksheet, uh, so to speak, it said, if I ask Ruka what this is about, but I don't get a specific memory, can I just ask for the energy to be released? And I um, I said, I think that would work. I believe the key point is you're asking and inviting Ruka. She won't intervene on your behalf unless you request. I would agree. I have many worksheets that I've done where I just went blank or I drew a blank or I went completely unconscious and spaced out in the middle of the worksheet process. And what I've told people has been the most useful for me is to just work through the end of the worksheet in a kind of an automatic process and then pull out another worksheet and move into that or get on with my life and come back to do the work future worksheets on it as it surfaces, as the issue surfaces in my life. But I I have found it completely counterproductive for me to struggle at trying to divine with my intelligent mind the purpose or uh, rational reason for whatever symptoms I have. And there have been some that where my worksheets have shown me very clear connections that make very good emotional sense. They don't really make logical sense because, you know, if it's something that happened when I was five or eight years old, I'm not five or eight years old anymore, and the things that used to bother me back then don't bother me at all when I'm consciously aware of them. And yet I might still hold an emotional truth about those dynamics or events that I'm unaware of. And that emotional truth can be driving all of my behavior as an adult. So as I uncover those emotional truths 
I get free from them from their ability to drive my behavior. But lots of my worksheets are not tuning me right into an emotional truth. Often I just have a shift in the energy pattern, and I feel better, but I'm not quite sure why, and I just move on. I'm just grateful for that change, and I move on with either the next worksheet or the next activity in my life. Is that helpful? Um, let's see. No. She says, um, well, when when I had written, she said, great point. I don't always remember to ask. And then after you spoke, um, I'm so inspired by all three of you. I want to do what you're all doing as a counselor. So she's interested in using Michael's work, um, both personally and professionally. I think, um, that kind of describes our interest in the work as well. All right. Anybody else with a hand up or anything else going on in the chat room? No, no, um, no hands up right now. Well, it's interesting because, as Michael says, um, on a regular basis, if we give a talk, there are all kinds of people with a hand up, with a question at the end of the talk. And with the topics that we put out there so far and with what Stuart just called in with, I can't imagine there isn't somebody who has a question about either what's the healing process like or what's the worksheet process that maybe you're brand new to it. Maybe you don't even know the worksheet process. But if you six four six two hundred four one six nine press 1 and... Michelle will see your hand up, and you'll be able to ask your question. All right, we have a hand up with area code 847. Where are you calling from today? Hi, this is Erica. How are you? Hello, Hi. Erica. I, uh, it's related to what Stuart was talking about, I think, but I'm just looking for more resources around the topic of emotional neglect. Um, there was a lot of work that happened this weekend and I've just come to the conclusion that there was a lot of emotional neglect in my uh, upbringing and I I just need to I feel like I need to know more about it so I can identify whatever needs I am not having met right now because I can't even identify what needs aren't being met well so if you can't even identify what needs aren't being met, how do you know your needs aren't being met? Because I feel empty. All right. So have you done worksheets around feeling empty? Not around that, but other things that came up that then led me to this conclusion. That would be the thing to do. So if I, okay, so, so if I did a worksheet, would empty be the feeling? Well, that all depends. So, you know, there's, there's, some people have a felt sense of hollowness or emptiness, and if they sit with it, they can tease out that it feels like an emotional pain. Others have the thought, I just feel empty, so I am empty. So there's a thought about how I'm not whole. You would have to decide for yourself 
you know, this this thing you're calling empty, you know, for some people it's a physical pain in the heart that's an emotional pain. And for others it's that pain that leads them to a thought. I'm sorry, for those that have that physical pain, it may lead them to the thought that I'm empty or that I need something to be fulfilled or that I needed somebody to support me emotionally rather than neglect me emotionally when I was young. So as we've done, and I think you've been around enough some of the worksheets to know, you can start the worksheet process at any point. And here you may have to start it with not knowing what your emotion is going to be. But you could get the physical sensation. You could get the thought. I mean, because you clearly have the thought here that says you were emotionally neglected. Correct. Okay, let me... So, okay, so that goes into 1D, or is that part of the story? And 1C... Well, uh, it could be either, but I think in this case, I, I would try starting with it in 1D. Okay. And when you have that thought over and over that I was emotionally neglected, what's what's the emotion that goes that you that you're aware of feeling? Uh, anger and sadness. The sadness came first, and then I tried to protect it by getting angry. <laughs> okay. So then you would say sadness. Okay. Is your emotion. And then my story is that my parents didn't emotionally provide for me. Yeah, and you might have a specific instance or two that comes to mind. Well, it's similar to, um, his name was Stuart, correct? correct? So much of my childhood is completely unconscious. Like, I have to, like, really sit in meditation to start getting memories of what happened to me specifically. Which is why when I came to this conclusion after all this other work, I was so surprised, and then I was like, well, how am I supposed to see something that wasn't there? I had to go about it a different way. Okay. Okay, so this is set up. I'm I think I'm good to finish this now. At least on this broad spectrum and then see what pops up afterward if anything. Yeah, and and I just encourage people as you you've seen in the group, I just encourage people to sit with it a bit and see what else bubbles up. Okay. And and one of the key things that makes the worksheets most beneficial for me is when I just make sure that they all line up from what I believe I'm feeling to what I think happened and who I think the trigger is, to what the thought is, to what the goal is. And the goal has to be such, constructed in a way that if that goal had been met, it would be completely unnecessary for me to do the worksheet whatsoever. And if we can get ourselves in that alignment from the top of the worksheet on down, I think we have much better productive worksheets. So, okay, so then while you were speaking, I wrote out the goal. So my story was that my parents did not support me emotionally. Uh, For my thought I have, I was emotionally neglected. 
So then for my goal, I put that I wanted my parents to emotionally support me. And that that would cancel out the sadness if that had happened. But it feels, it doesn't, the language isn't quite right yet. Because I I don't really feel any, um, hmm. I, I think it's the support part. I think I need to be more specific because that's really going to there, cancel right, it right. out. So, and and so you know, did you want them to be more loving, physically demonstrative, you know, um, Bingo. verbally no, expressive? You just got it. Bingo. <laughs> okay. There might be a lot. Okay, so you said physically. Okay, so the physicality, the verbal. I'm sorry for cutting you off. What else were you gonna say? Just verbally expressive about emotions. So you know, when when children are young, they feel things very strongly, but they don't have words for them. Right. And so there's a lot of times when I'm coaching parents how to deal with kids, and I'm coaching parents about how to get reparented as a as a matter of fact for themselves. And I talk to them about how if my child comes to me and says, you know, I hate my brother, and I ask what went on and they tell me, then I can say to them, well, I, I can understand that you're very, very, you're feeling very strong emotions. And you know what? If, if my brother fell, tripped and fell, and landed on my t- favorite toy and my toy got broken, I would feel very sad. You know, I might feel angry at him, but I also might feel some fear that he was hurt, and I might feel some sadness at the loss of my toy. So in talking about those things and giving the child these different words and possibilities and letting them try it on for themselves, they begin to learn how to decide and, and kind of discern different levels of intensity, different levels of feeling, different flavors of energy within themselves, and then and then they start to be able to language about it. But without that, they just go from zero to 100 miles an hour emotionally mm-hmm. without any way to label it. Mm-hmm. So if you never had any of that, if you grew up in a family where you know, some of the kinds of families that I've dealt with over the years that have this issue are if there was ever any physical, emotional, sexual, or alcohol or drug abuse, or if there was workaholic pattern mm-hmm. where the people were just always working and we were either working or we were eating or sleeping or you know, the cycle just repeats, working, eating, sleeping. So there really wasn't any leisure time, there wasn't play time, there wasn't, you know, time to confide in people and talk about your inner feelings and your deep regrets and sadnesses and joys. If that's not there, children don't learn it. It's very true. As you're speaking, I'm remembering all of these other worksheets I've done. And I'm like, okay, I think I've come to a pretty accurate conclusion that I can now dismantle. Hmm. Well, and it's that that it's that t- 
time when we're not in the throes of running away from life and we're not so busy working that we slow down and relate to each other and have discussions about these things that really broadens and deepens our relationships. It isn't that that relationships can't have a depth to them without that level of discussion, but that time to connect, that time to reflect on things, that time to share, you know, the good, the bad, and the not so good. <laughs> and have discussions about it, that's that's an aspect that really broadens and deepens relationships. And many of us didn't have that growing up. Mm-hmm. So it's now, you know, we, we get to... That's, this is where we get the concept of reparenting in in therapy, where if I realize that, you know, I really didn't have that kind of support and nurturance when I was a child, I've got all these different aspects of me that can get triggered situationally or in a particular state. And then all of a sudden here comes the 14-year-old Tim who doesn't really know how to deal with his rage at the bullies and doesn't really know how to deal with his feeling helpless and hopeless, but now it's active in him, and Tim's a 60-year-old psychologist sitting in his office, and he can't breathe. So we have to go through the process of sitting with that, integrating that set of memories and that worldview, releasing that, canceling the goals associated with it, and watching what develops on the other side of that with with nurturance of myself, with love and support of myself, with acceptance of myself that I didn't get from outside sources when I was younger. Mm-hmm. All right. That makes sense? Yeah, I hear you. I, I'm like, it's translating in my mind in the uh, terms of, you know, cultivating myself as parents so then I can just parent myself. Okay. Also, thank you for not giving me a suggestion for a book because I would have just kept it all in my head and made it like an intellectual aerobics exercise. (laughs) That's what I do when I'm asking for a book. I just want to think some more. Yep. Well, you're very welcome. All right. Well, I will uh, get off the line and see if anyone else has a question. Thank you, Dr. Tim. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling. So, Michelle, what do we have going on? We have uh, eight or nine minutes left, eight minutes probably. Do we have anybody else to hand up at 646-200-4169? Nope, not, not right now. Quiet on all fronts. All right. Any comments from you? Any answers from you? <laughs> uh no, you covered it. But, um, but I, I did notice the intellectualization piece that she was going through in the beginning, and I um, I recognize that. Thinking really hard about it, but it's a nice defense. It works works for a long time, and letting it go is not easy. I find. Well, <clears throat> I would offer that letting it go is really easy. Um, breaking the habit of picking it back up again is harder. 
take a breath. <laughs> yeah. I've had this um, question rolling since there's no hands up right now. Um, do you think you notice in yourself after years of worksheets and focusing on filters of love that the dark thoughts that bubble up are less Just in general, fewer, you know, lower frequency, less intensity. Is that your question? Probably, yeah, more like frequency because, um, like, there is the, you know, events that happen where, you know, something outside of you occurs and, and then you are reacting to it. But then when a negative thought arises, spontaneously and then you notice it let's say there was a, a a revenge thought then recognizing you know do maybe some forgiveness work on just the fact that you're having that thought and so then trying to just kind of kind of be curious because if you do the worksheet on thought it's almost like you're giving energy to the thought and maybe empowering it if you're noticing it in the first place so then you know, becomes sort of circuitous, and I wondered, well, where does the thought bubble up from anyways? And if you, you know, do enough work, do enough work over time, is there less of a pool for it to bubble from, maybe? Well, in the first place, I don't um, I don't give much credence to that idea that if I do a worksheet on something that I'm giving energy to it in a negative sense. So <clears throat> I'm... I have found that, for instance, there's this there's a whole school of thought that says the original form of EFT tapping is not good because Doctor, not Doctor, but Gary Craig has people say, even though I have this problem, whether it's a headache mm-hmm. or this depression or this anger, I completely love and accept myself. And I've taught that class and had people vehemently protest, I won't say that. And I ask why, and they say, well, because you're telling me to just, you know, stay focused on the negative, and I don't I don't deal with the negative. I am all positive. <clears throat> and somehow they've got it in their mind that if they admit that there's a negative energy or thought or an ache or a pain, that that is going to strengthen it rather than help them dismantle it and get rid of it or integrated or whatever term you want to use. Well, I've never found that to be a useful tool. I mean, if Michael were here, he would probably talk about the concept. He coined the term premature positive thinking. And, you know, all of the residents, uh, all of the schools of spiritual and psychological thought that resonate well with me talk about how we all have these energies or thoughts come up in us. There's nobody who is without these negative thoughts and energies. And as Jung said, we don't become enlightened by sitting around envisioning images of light. We become enlightened by bringing everything that's less than light to the surface. You know, all of those negative energies. So 
that's the, the primary point for me where you and I might have a, a, a different perspective is that, that when I have these negative thoughts, if they keep coming, if, if they come repeatedly, the same one over and over, I'm going to be doing my tapping, I'm going to be doing worksheets, I'm going to be canceling goals about it going away, I'm going to be welcoming the thought and looking at the origins either energetically or in my belief system so that I can identify the belief and then dismantle it. And I won't have, you know, it, it, it isn't within my belief system to say, oh, I shouldn't go there because I'll just make it worse. It's already coming up. If it wasn't already there and coming up, I wouldn't even be thinking about it and, you know, asking the question on the Internet show or doing a worksheet about it. So... To my way of thinking, everything but going at it and doing my worksheets about it is denial. And I've never found denial productive in, in having the, the negative thoughts dissipate and become less. It just it increases the intensity, that denial process, for me anyway. So I don't know if that's helpful, but that's that's what resonated for me. No, I mean, that's something to think about because it actually stirs up more questions. I, you know, um, the one of which is just this whole idea of affirming things in in our language as a um, tool for manifestation. And so then, you know, if your language is can be creating that. So then, you know, just I have, to, I have to sort through my thoughts right now. All right. Well, um, the, the idea, you know, there's so many different layers of ideas about that and trying to manifest things. But, but the one that comes to mind right now is the idea that to manifest means to become aware of what's obvious. And Dale Allen Hoffman talks about this in some of his talks. So, you know, if I talk about what I want at one level, I'm literally reinforcing the fact that I don't have it. And right. I'm strengthening the manifestation that I don't have it. So, you know, one of the things I like to do in that regard is to say, okay, here's my vision. Here's my dream. I spell it out as well as I can. I love where I am now. I'm in gratitude for that, and I hope to have in the future this or something better. And I just put that out there and move on. But it's time to wrap up the show. We're under a minute. So if you would hit the outro, and please, everyone, uh, join us again tomorrow and have the best year yet of your eternal life. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice and his wife, Jeannie, who present the internal Aramaic process of forgiveness. Michael and Jeannie are here every Monday through Friday on Earth Angels Radio. For more on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.yagain.com. That's www.whyagain.com. A I N dot com Evolving continuously
Please. 